I was the kid that was always tapping, leg shaking. My dad would sit there, what's wrong with him? Why does he have to keep <laughs> tapping? <laughs> I then went a bit wayward, I think. I kind of lost my way in school and education. Mm -hmm. I couldn't bear to be behind, in a classroom behind a desk. Being a bit lost, joined the army, and then I served three years in the army. I was with somebody at that time and we were married and it kind of went completely pear-shaped. And, th and that was the point and this train went past the window and I was like, that's it, that's it, what am I doing? My 40th birthday. Spirit of the vine. I'm gonna go, I'm gonna go and find a shaman. I'm gonna <laughs> yeah. go and stay in the rainforest for sure. a week. I'm doing it. Yeah. Straight from the ceremony, I drove around the house, knocked on the door, gave my dad a hug and said, look, we needed to do that. We haven't done that in a long time. So mm. that was a big shift, a big, big shift for me. We've, you've gone to sleep, you've had your ramble, you've followed all these protocols, you need to get up for a week, you switch the light on. One second of that blue light will shut your melatonin off for three hours, that's a study. That's insane, right? We opened up a boxing club and that was a pure example of dysfunctional male energy. And to come away from that, I mean, I, it, took me a, it took me a long time to work on that. Also, we need the dysfunctional male to understand, for us to look at, to understand that's not the way we should be behaving. Right? Some people just, uh, then they're not awake yet, you know? And, yeah. and, and it takes, you know, workshops and retreats and time mm. for us to access that. If a man isn't stepping into him, his male self, then the female doesn't know how to be in her female self, yeah. the female energy, and can then cross over into being male energy. Yeah. 41 this year and I feel better than what I was in my 20s. Welcome to the Unconventionalist Podcast. My name is Mark Roost, and each week I share with you an inspiring story or message to help you share your gift with the world. By covering entrepreneurship, leadership, courage, and vulnerability, my wish is that you realize that you have everything that you need to get started today. Hi, and welcome back to the show. My name is Mark. If this is your first time, a very warm welcome to you. And if this is a regular show that you've downloaded and subscribed to and that you religiously check week in and week out, you are officially made of awesome. Before I begin today, I just wanted to give a big shout out to Bartek Odias to thank him for helping me figure out how I could improve the sound quality of each episode. What I hadn't realized was that when I was recording these in my home studio, they sounded quite loud. But if you're in the tube or if you're walking out outside in the streets, then perhaps the external sound is having an impact on the quality and the volume that you're listening to. So hopefully this episode, the volume is a little bit higher and the following episodes will hopefully follow the same process. So fingers crossed. As always, I love to start off the show by giving a huge shout out to all the top 10 countries out there who are listening and downloading each episode. We've gone over 8,100 downloads. So thank you for spreading the word, for sharing this podcast with your friends and colleagues and family and for spending some time uh, listening to this. It, it's just it's, it's mind-blowing every time. So number one, United Kingdom, followed closely, so closely by United States. Romania in third, fourth, Australia, fifth, Sweden, sixth, Pakistan, seven, Czech Republic, eight, Belgium, nine, Spain, ten, Canada. Now, Hong Kong, Germany, Kenya, Brazil, Japan, you're all closely behind in the top 10 leaderboard. So you just hang in there, share it with your friends, get your country in the top 10. This is how we're going to get this podcast to spread wide and far. If you haven't done so already, go over on markgrubus.com forward slash start and download for free 
my audio training to help you find your message. Now, the reason why I did this, this training was that I heard over and over again people saying that they wanted to do something. They wanted to write a book. They wanted to start a podcast. They wanted to start a business, but they couldn't figure out what was that one thing they wanted to, to do or speak about or put out. So I did this super quick free training that you can get for free right now over at markgrews.com forward slash start. I hope you enjoyed. Let me know how it is. There's uh, a thing that I wanted to uh, also put forward is that if if you haven't actually realized this yet, but I also do a weekly YouTube video over on YouTube, um, and I'm at about 800 subscribers. I started with less than about 100 in January. My goal was to get to 1,000 by December. So if you want to help out, go over on YouTube dot com forward slash Mark LaRousse, subscribe to the show. And what you'll see is the latest video is actually Stephanie Burton from Project Glow came to me for some help to launch her very own podcast. So I built this workshop for her and on, on, it was like this amazing process. We spent an entire afternoon just digging to all the nitty gritty bits of starting your own podcast from the gear to like how to get guests or how to create the intimate relationship that you need in order for guests to open up and really be honest and real and all those really cool stuff that I just love and probably have taken for granted. Um, so you can check out the video that we did because naturally I recorded a video and I actually tried a magic trick. So hope you enjoy it. Let me know what you think. It's over on youtube.com forward slash Mark LaRousse. And I believe the name of the video is called The Power of Podcasting. There's a super simple way that you can support this program. You could go over on iTunes, subscribe to the show and leave a review. Rate the show, leave a review and I will read them out on this, on the next future episodes. So go over and do that. If you're, if you're tech uh, illiterate, as, as for example, my mom would consider herself, go over on markderoos.com forward slash blog. And I have every single step that you can follow to do it from your phone or from your laptop. Ladies and gentlemen, we have reached the 40th episode of the Unconventionalist podcast. How crazy is that? I mean, I was kind of looking back and I recorded the very first episode of the Unconventionalist, about a year, six months, and 28 days ago, on the 6th of March, 2015. It was Ed Hewitt, who'd walked from uh, Bangkok to Birmingham, and only using uh, transport by foot. So I think he had planes, tra- uh, sorry, trains, uh, bicycles, and buses, and that's about it. Uh, and, and the interesting thing is that although I originally uploaded the first episode on May 22nd on, on a different uh, host provider, it wasn't until the 12th of July, 2015, which was basically four months after having actually recorded the original interview, that I published the very first episode on iTunes. And since then, it's been an amazing adventure. 40 episodes. I just can't believe it. I've had some amazing and inspiring guests. And, and, and you know, it just keeps getting better, which is just totally insane. Um, and today's guest actually is someone that's that's one of those people or one of the reasons why this show I think matters is that a lot of a lot of the guests that I have on the show may not be the most known people that you may see in the spotlight or you may not have heard of them and yet they have some of the most powerful messages and some of the most incredible human beings I've come across and that's also why the unconventionalists exist in order to give the spotlight on people who matter who may not get that stage spotlight that they deserve and I believe that Tony Riddle is exactly that kind of guy. We connected through uh, I believe it was Sam House uh, who introduced me to Tony uh, via a retreat that he was running about uh, the rites of passage for men. 
And what was incredible about Tony and our, and our conversation is that I instantly connected with Tony and we talked about so much rich content from what it means to be a conscious masculine, what, it, what the problem with masculinity and men today, to why are we living in such a stressful environment and what we can do to increase the quality of our sleeps and, and, and improve some of nutrition. But more than that, it's the story that Tony shares about his own journey of how he went from going in the army to starting a boxing gym and walking away from all of that and actually going on this huge inner journey around understanding what it meant for him to reconnect to being a man and what kind of man he wanted to be, especially for his three daughters that that he was raising. So this is one of the most inspiring or at least most fascinating episodes that you're going to hear in a while. I hope you enjoy it. If you do, make sure to let us know on Twitter at Mark LaRoost and you can also uh, tag in Tony at Feed the Human. Let us know as you listen to this what are some of your favorite moments, and I'll be on Twitter responding to you. Cannot wait to hear how how you find this episode, ladies and gentlemen. I give you Tony Riddle. Tony, welcome to the show. Good morning, Mark. Good morning. <laughs> <laughs> um, A better morning for me, I guess, <laughs> knowing the night uh, you've had. Yeah, but no, you know, I'm actually super pumped. I'm really excited because I was really looking forward to speaking with you today. Okay. Um, I came across your website through... Uh, uh, a man called Sam House yep. that was also on my show and who also happened to be the leader on the program I did last year. I listened in. I, I was yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. And um, I kind of looked into what you're doing, and and this is what I want to talk about. I want to talk about a bit, you know, what what you're about, uh, what you believe in, what you're doing, and and especially the kind of the two decades of experience you've had in the fitness, I guess, world or the the because I think you could. Do you traditionally come from a PT background? Is that PT into Pilates? Yeah. into movement. Yeah. yeah, that stuff. So natural movement. So and then lifestyle, really. You know. Yeah, James Adelter yeah. always always talks about uh, superheroes have a have a background story. Mm. You know the origins story. Yeah. yeah. What's Tony Riddle's origin story? Oh, I guess um, if I go right back, it's got to go into the first six years of life because I think that's really going by Bruce Lipton's work is kind of the tapes you play out for the rest of your life. Mm. So for me, extremely active. I was the kid that was always tapping, leg shaking. My dad would sit there. What's wrong with him? Why does he have to keep (laughs) tapping? (laughs) You know, which is another story. um, (laughs) And then I'd be out in the woods playing. We used to have a wreck um, near us, gravel pits that we were forbidden to go near because you could drop yourself into sinking sand. That was the best thing to hear, that straight over there. Let's test the sinking sand and in the lakes there and in the streams. So that's kind of my movement. And then up on to spending more time on the school roof than actually in the classroom. Um, <laughs> I guess you call it ADHD now. <laughs> but really I, I, just I, I needed to be out and be active. Yeah, um, I often say that uh, had I been born uh, 10 years later, I would have been severely medicated. Yeah. Because people would have just confused my creativity and uh, energy yeah. for, a, for a labeled disease. Well, I kind of, I now look at that. So that, uh, again, it goes back to those first years. And then I look at the nutrition, right? And mm. the diet that was kind of stimulating that behavior at the same time. So I then removed over time those food groups and my behavior is completely different. I mean, I, I, mm. can, I have focus and can concentrate, whereas it's a bit all over. It's like a head full of slamming doors on some occasions. Sure. You know? So um, I then went a bit wayward, I think. I kind of lost my way in school and education. Mm-hmm. I couldn't bear to be behind, in a classroom behind a desk. 
Um, and then being a bit lost, joined the army. And then I served three years in the army. Um, and Infantry? Then, what? what, what? Um, Raw Logistics Corps. Okay. So I was like this driver, radio operator yeah. that the recruitment office managed to sell me because I couldn't get in the RAF next door. <laughs> <laughs> so I went from the RAF office to the army office next door and, and they were like, yeah, okay, we'll take you in. These are the positions we have right sure. now. Yeah, and a feeling a bit lost. It was yeah. like a bit of escapism in a way. Sure. I think I had to get away from what I could see myself landing myself in trouble, I think. Which is funny time. because as, as you go through the escape, you actually land into one of the most structured organizations. Yeah. And it's, I mean, it's, it's quite a rigid organization yeah. I'm going to make I up, mean, right? It's, it's amazing, right? Yeah, so... so um, and I don't, I don't know whether it was... Like, and also there was messages from my dad about his father being in the army and how he missed it. Sure. And there's a relationship thing there with my dad where... He was extremely busy, you know, ran a business, used to see him on Sundays if we were lucky. Yeah. Um, you know, just m missing a male figure, I think, in that sense. And then for him to say, you know, if I had my chance, I would join the army, I think, you know, look at that. And I think it was him. And that message, kind of the seed, that kind of the back in the unconscious. Yeah, and I think him yeah. trying to save me in that sense by giving me that message, you sure. know, maybe look at the army. So, um, yeah, I joined the army and then I got involved with, again, the fitness side of things. And I was, yeah, and then it was action. Yeah, love this, love this, love this. And then we signed up. Um, I think we meant to go to Ireland, didn't go. Meant to go to Bosnia, didn't go. And it's like, come on, man, this is like... And I could see my mates, you know, evolving and developing in this sure. sense. And I felt then I'm back into this rigid model. Yeah. And then woke up and, right, okay, I need to get out of here. Sure. So I left the army and then I, I went back to, I'd say, a year of drifting like what what am i doing you know yeah. from this regimented lifestyle now through to where am i you know yeah and again it comes down to lifestyle so um a cousin of mine lee saxby he's like this he's known as the barefoot kind of guru really you know um world's leading expert in barefoot running yeah and he at that time was running a pilates studio and he said look go and get certified as a personal trainer do like an apprenticeship and then we'll have a look at whether we can get you into this Pilates sure. world. It's an amazing thing, you know? Yeah. You'll, you'll be great at it. And I had the physique and the physiology and... Um, and the energy. Yeah, so I went off. That was yeah. it. I, was, you know, I did my qualifications and I came back to it. And then I did like a year apprenticeship in Pilates with him. And and then I thought, well, you know, I think I need to do this. I need to, And someone offered me a practice. So I went in there. We kind of fell out over it, you know. We didn't really? talk for many years, but that's cool. And then we got got it back together again. Mate, it's so true, but that that is it's so interesting because that's the pattern. I've had a few guests coming on, and we talked about uh, running businesses with friends or joining businesses with friends. <laughs> actually, oh yeah, and actually the whole complication of, and the complicated dynamics in relationships around friendship and business. It seems to be a pattern. That well, this this blows up again later. Oh, okay, <laughs> so it's, it's definitely a pattern. It's definitely a pattern. There. Um, but I'm, you know, I, I've done a lot of work there now, so I kind yeah. of yeah. Okay. It, once you recognise it, I think you can move on. Sure. You know. So where are we? We were. So you, you're studying Pilates. You've just yeah. Finished so it. I went into Pilates, set up a practice in like a health centre with acupuncture and uh, physiotherapy GPs. Um, all the stuff that I kind of try to steer away from now, which is quite interesting. <laughs> and then, um, and and I and I, and I had I've, I'm, I'm married again now, but I was with somebody at that time, and we were married, and it kind mm -hmm. of went completely pear shaped. Okay, how old were you then? Um, Twenty seven. Okay. Yeah, and um, it just wasn't healthy. It's one of those toxic ones that you keep going back to, but it, it's the toxicity I think you're drawn into, and mm. yeah, so it wasn't healthy at all. So we. We are divorced now, anyway, of course. Um, and then 
that was a shift, a bit a big shift to me. Right, okay, I need to get out of where I am now. So I went into a Pilates studio um, in a sporter in this O2 centre. So I had other practitioners working for me, great model, and then my cousin Lee resurfaced, and he was like, oh, thank God you're done with her. That's it, we can, you know. And it was like this, it was around that relationship okay. that we kind of fell apart. It wasn't right. to do with the practice, it seemed. So then we kind of, we patched things up. I ended up moving in with Lee and we, and we stayed together, which is quite a cool relationship. And it was a bit of an older brother thing going on there yeah. for me, I think. Really nice character, you know. So we then um, met a guy called Nicholas Romanoff of Pose Method. And he's an absolute genius. He discovered like this specific posture that everyone has to go through when they're running. So all the barefoot running craze, chi running, Art of running, really. It's Nicholas's kind of foundation yeah, behind I it. I think I've heard say. the name. I might have heard him on Joe Rogan's show. So it's how we um, harness the forces within any activity, really. And there's a specific posture we should all go to. And that allows us to use the correct kind of internal influences, how much muscle action, tendon action, based on external influences like gravity and ground reaction forces. Mm -hmm. And then you can apply it to literally anything. And that for me is like, wow, okay. <laughs> apply that to Pilates like Joseph Pilates original work was called Controlology and it's really around natural forces and natural movements again yeah it wasn't about equipment and it's become like it became yeah. like this because of the, his background um, from his first practice was above the New York City Ballet so most of the people that went to see were him dancers. were dancers. So right. it, it suited rehab for dancers, but not the average person yeah. that walks around, say, Peckham, right? Sure, which, which, which is interesting because, um, well, two things. First of all, um, I went to uh, one Pilates class. My girlfriend does Pilates. And um, so, you know, as we were talking before we started recording, you know, um, I've done a bit of training in MMA, Muay Thai and all this yeah. stuff. So... I enjoy explosive sports. I, you know, I used to consider myself a bit healthier than I am today. And I used to think that I could put myself through like a pretty grueling workout. <laughs> Pilates kicked my ass. I was, <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. There were muscles I was feeling that yeah. I just had no idea existed. Yeah. Tendons and all this stuff. And the, the actually, now that you say that, the studio was very dancing studio-like. Mm. Like mirrors on the walls and there was like machines and all this yeah. stuff. Sorry, so, so you were saying that, that originally it was meant for like more dancing people rather yeah, than... Yeah, and there's like yeah. a repertoire of over 600 movements. Okay. It, but it's then how you select. So I then went through this process of, of selecting movements that were specific to disciplines. Of kind of applying the pose principles that Nicholas had taught us. And then it was like, wake up, you know, this isn't Pilates anymore. This is, you're, you're now moving, you're now evolving. It's now moving on beyond that. And around about that time, um, we uh, I discovered a guy called Erwan Lacour. Um, oh, I know. For movement. French guy. Yeah, yeah. He's the guy that does, uh, um, don't tell me his name. Ah! Uh, um, oh! It's going to piss me off. Uh, yeah, you do know his name. Movenat, yeah. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, we kind of um, met Erwan and then then it really started to apply, right? You can get these pose principles and apply them to all the natural movements that we are capable of. And then Lee, myself, and a guy called Matt Walker, who's a great strength and conditioning coach, decided that we would set up this gym, and we and we didn't know what to call it. Lee's biggest thing, and older brother being up here, decided that his passion was boxing. Let's call it this box. We're going to make it a boxing club. And we travelled over to the states to train with a guy called Kenny Weldon, who was um, Evander Holyfield's balance and technique coach, Pernell Whitaker's balance and technique coach. 360 Golden Glove winners, absolutely awesome. It has this fundamentals of boxing that were just like Nicholas's work, 
but not the language behind it. He didn't really understand the science of what Nicholas was doing, but it was perfectly aligned. Sure. Incredible to watch. So he had like there's 10 fundamental punches, four directions that you should move in, then learn how to defend them. And that's the fundamentals. Then you can move on. Right. Almost like a black belt, like a system. Yeah. Like so take the white belt, then you got yeah. And then you can apply it to like um, Hopkins has amazing fundamentals. Mm. Mayweather has amazing fundamentals. So then we opened this place. We called it Gloves Boxing Club. And as I said, uh, as we were speaking about Daniel Terry, he'd come down to train yeah. with a, a great fighter called Kaz Azim, who was one of our coaches there. And um, yeah, we kind of we we went off on so a sorry, tangent. Is that not a brand now? Has he not started a brand? Am I confusing? Who is that not a brand called Kaz something? I don't know. Maybe I'm exposing totally a, a couple of years maybe now. Probably but, not. Um, so we yeah, so we set this place up, and it was. Um, I think it was, it, it was, we wanted it as an exclusive members club. Right. And so we wanted kind of lawyers to come in and, you know, it was in West Hampstead. And white collar kind of. Yeah, right, yeah. white collar. So it wasn't like, we didn't want a sawdust boxing club. Sure. We wanted this, like a sophisticated yeah, model. This was pre-gym box era. Around, you know, gym, gym, bo- no, around gym box times. Okay. But yeah. it was, um, it was like walking into a film set. It was an old London, Scotland railway building, completely yeah. back to brick with tube trains running right past the window because they were the platform doors. <laughs> yeah. And you'd go behind the shops to get to it, but nobody knew it was there. It was like yeah. West Hampstead's best kept secret. Sure. Which is not the best thing. To <laughs> do, <is it? laughs> so, um, our passion was there. Just, we didn't really have the business actually yeah. really behind that. Um, so we launched and said, right, we want a hundred members. And then we realized a hundred members, right, we need more members and more members. And then, um, Lee, at that point, had managed to cure Chris McDougall's plantar fasciitis from a book Born to Run. Mm. And then we went to a talk um, with Chris and Vivo Barefoot were there. Amazing. I only wear Vivo Barefoot shoes. Our whole family went there. Like, amazing, right? So it just means that you could apply that shoe to all the natural patterns, of course, like barefoot running, everything else. And Lee was off then on, on his journey with Vivo Barefoot. And the gym wasn't so important then. Sure. So he dropped out and then Matt decided, right, okay, do you know what? Do you want to take my shares? And I was like, oh, you know what? Do I do this? Do <laughs> I do this? And, and now I know the feeling. Now I understand my gut and yeah. my heart. Back then, it was telling me and telling me, don't do this, don't do this. And yeah. ego was like, come on, man, you can do this, you know? So yeah. we, I took but that, it but, but that's such a, you know, and, and there's so much juice in what you're saying that I want to really dive into afterwards. But... I just want to take a moment there just to acknowledge what you're saying around sometimes it can be so difficult to differentiate between the noise and the intuition. Mm. And it's like, who's speaking right now? What, what, you know, like, is it my ego? And, and I'm one of those that I don't believe ego is necessarily a bad thing. I think, no, I think ego is, you know, self. And I think we've, we've kind of come to a society where we, every time we say ego, it's like, oh, bad. You've got an ego, then you're a bad person, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's around differentiating those voices mm. and, and, that's what I want to dive into in a second. Yeah. Just wanted to pause there too, to okay. sort of mention that. So, um, you're like, should I take these shares? Should I not take these yeah, shares? Yeah, so we, uh, I took it on and then we, Katerina, my wife and I had our first daughter as this whole process was going on through the gym. So we... So h- how old were you when you had your first daughter? Um, I'm now 40, I'll be 41 this year, so I was 35. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so this is... So we, we we basically decided, right, okay, let's move out of London. It wasn't, we didn't really like the idea of bringing our daughter up in London. Sure. So we decided, come on, let's move out. We moved into my parents for six months until mm. we find, found something. Now we're in Windsor and we've stayed there, basically. It's a lovely environment yeah. that we find. Um, so we, it was a lot of sacrifice. It meant that I was doing now 16-hour days. 
um, incredible. Like, I don't even know where I found it, but I started to think, oh my God, I'm turning into my dad. It's like mm. I'm becoming that male figure of this man that spends all his time outside the house and rocks up on a Sunday. I, I don't want that for my kids. I yeah. just, uh, 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 and I think half of my journey in my life has been that whole story I've been carrying, right? So I, I then we were running courses at that time, like the fundamentals of human movement, and kind of steered away from um, boxing. I had a great coach on board called Ben Meda. Yeah. And he brought kind of a natural movement system within the club. But we also had a philosophy around what is natural lifestyle coaching, but under a different name, you know, and it's, it's evolved now. And these guys would come in, personal trainers, and we would coach them in the whole philosophy. And we've got some great guys out there now that have gone off and uh, doing great things around, the, around, around Europe, really. Um, so one of we run a few of these courses, and it's around our physical needs, social needs, and spiritual needs for, emo- for emotional health, let's say, mm. of the human animal. And I'm there holding this presentation after a week of 16-hour days, um, feeling incredibly toxic. Yeah. Was also kind of supporting that by things like alcohol and crazy yeah. stuff that really, because you're so in it and low that you look for some form of well, yeah. escapism or connection to something. Definitely. And, w- and when you're in it, you don't even realize it because no. it's just, you're just fueling the fire with more logs, which just, well, actually not healthy logs, but more like fuel. But it's at the same time holding this presentation and knowing it yeah. all. And, th- and that was the point. And this train went past the window and I was like, that's it. Mm. That's it. What am I doing? Yeah, fuck this. Yeah. So then it kind of took a, I think uh, three weeks after that, that was it. We were wrapping up and then I said to Katrina, I need to take some time out. And yeah. So I kind of did. Uh, and by the way, sorry, so just also to mention, on top of that, you also had a newborn. Or was that was that a bit later? Because I mean, so this was this was the f- no, this is this was the first child. She'd already she was four. This is when I saw it. This is our second child that came right. along, Millie. Okay. And then Millie at this point, mighty Millie. So um, <laughs> we then were. We, I kind of got to that stage. I was like, oh my, yeah, I, I, we, we, I need to take a step back. Yeah. So I said, right, we take it. I'm going to take a year out. And then I started to really open uh, and I was getting more and more open and I said, right, I'm going to disappear. I'm going to go upstairs. I'm going to get my head into what I'm doing. And mm. I listened to the podcast and I was watching all kinds of clips and TEDx and just really <laughs> just open myself up. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. And then I discovered this ayahuasca and, uh, yeah. and started to look at feeds around that. And then I said, right, I know what I'm doing for my 40th birthday. Spirit of the vine. I'm going to go. I'm going to go and find a shaman. I'm going <laughs> yeah. to go and stay in the rainforest for sure. a week. I'm doing it. Yeah. At that time, some friends of ours owned a place in the Cotswolds and we kind of said, um, for my 40th, I'll throw a party there. But this is way before that, when alcohol was still on the agenda, partying was still on the agenda, a group of friends we were with was still on the agenda. And I just thought, you know, I'm going to throw a party. <clears throat> After this incident, it was like, the last thing I want to do is wake up on my 40th, 40th birthday and go through that kind of same pattern sure. of what's got me here in the first place. Yeah. Let's have a proper think about this, you know? It's time for change. So I contacted them and said, look, this is what I'm doing. And they said, Tony, don't worry about it. You don't have to go there. We have a guy, you can work with him. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. This is what they say, it's calling you. So yeah. I was like, yeah, you know, and before I'd heard that, I was like, yeah, whatever. You know, yeah, how, yeah. how's this gonna call me? So that was that was a big part of my journey, really, and I think that was the real shift um, for me. So I 
worked with a shaman and we did some work together and it highlighted everything that I've just spoken about, really, a pattern with my dad. Yeah, I was, I was, about, I was about to ask you if you don't, I mean, I know it's a personal journey and, and I don't want to dive into it too much right, out of respect, but what would you say was one of the things that came to you or what was it that one, one of the kind of aha moments, I guess, um, when you started working your shaman and you kind of... In, within the ceremony, yeah. in the first ceremony, um, it was about a story. So, um, yeah, you have this story with your parents and your parents have their story with their parents. Mm. But you also come with a seed of change. So, um, there's a big thing about hugging my dad, let's say. Mm. And I was thinking, God, I haven't given my dad a hug. I, won't, I can't even remember the last time I gave my dad a hug. And he would now say, we hugged, you know? Whereas <laughs> I had this story, we'd never hugged, right? Mm. And it was like, hang on a minute, my, my recognition of my dad when I was a kid was like, he'd be working a week and on Friday night I'd go play snooker and I'd wake up to uh, like a pack of crisps or something underneath the pillow. Ah, oh, my dad's crisps, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> Is my dad's name Walker? Yeah. But, um, you know, and it's not taking it, I, I, you know, now it's a, now I can laugh about it, I can joke about it, and he'd be easy about this. But, you know, for me, it was, that's the story I carried. And yeah. they're stories, and we do carry stories that way. So it highlighted the story. And it was for me to just, I can change this. I can be the one that actually, he might not know how to give me a hug now. That's the thing. So guess what? I have to hug him. So straight from the ceremony, I drove around the house, knocked on the door, gave my dad a hug and said, look, we needed to do that. We haven't done that in a long time. So mm. that was a big shift, a big, big shift for me. Yeah, and, and, and so what I'm hearing, there's also a part of uh, owning that story and own, yeah. owning your journey and that story of saying, well, actually, I can project this story that I've been carrying on yeah. on the shoulders of my father or I've got this seed of change, which is what can I do about it? Exactly. Take yeah. responsibility Ta yeah. is, is the big key. Yeah. Here. So that, that came up in the first um, segment, I would say. Um, and then... I had this big flashing neon line of alcohol like coming up for me. Not an alcoholic, just if if I went out with friends, it would turn into this <laughs> alcoholic affair, you know? But I wouldn't, certainly wouldn't wake up the next day and say, I need to drink, but there's definitely an underlying thing I would say. That yeah. So I, I decided, right, that's it. I need to give that a break completely. What, what do you think, what, do you th what, what escape do you think alcohol gave you? Ah. <sighs> Again, I think uh, growing up, uh, my, my parents were, you know, I used to throw parties and, you know, have a bit of drink. And, and my dad's a, a, a drinker. He's like a pub man, you know, he'd go to the pub after work. And, you know, and that for me, I think was also a big connection with him, you know? Yeah. It's interesting. Yeah. You know, no. if I really think about it, there's, yeah. there's certainly, it's a connection again. Which yeah. I, and, it's, and I think especially British men, and this is a massive generalization, by the way, but I think British men in general find it easy to connect between men in a pub around a pint yeah. and have a conversation. Well, it's male energy. And yeah. It's very important for us to have male energy. Yeah. And we don't really have anywhere to go yeah. for male energy. Apart right? from the pub. You know, there's no case. It's like, there is no cave, right? <laughs> but there, we can make caves, yeah. right? You know, <laughs> Man cave. This could be a cave. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. We're in a cave right now. Well, it is actually on the... Um, <coughs> on the uh, in, in a few weeks, actually, uh, we're, we're organizing a man's night yeah. here. We've got about six guys are coming along. We're going to cook some food with a mate, mm -hmm. um, sit down, have and some fuel chat. some testosterone. It's important. Yeah. Yeah, we need that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, so that's, that's the tie-in, I think, with that. And that was the escapism, I think, yeah. using that. Um, so you've got this big flashing neon light, alcohol, yeah, and you're like, done. 
Done. Done. That's it. And then um, I think I was then given I have I have psoriasis, which is another thing that mm. comes up, and I have scars from it now. It's kind of like that scarred skin rather yeah. than psoriasis. And um, psoriasis is a, is a skin condition. Autoimmune disease. Yeah. So it's a skin condition. Um, yeah, so so and it can be brought on by I I would have a predisposition for it, which I do, and then the environment, like many things, stress will make it predetermined. So you go through all your life without it, sure, with and the correct physical, social, spiritual needs being met, yeah. without the emotional trigger, yeah, and it never have it. But you could be walking around with those people walking around with autoimmune disease all over the place yeah. and cancer. It's what the environment Absolutely. that dictates that. Yeah. So um, I then. Got given the details of this lady called Nicola Dunn, who was a family constellationist. Again, amazing lady. And I, and I went to this meeting, and we walk in. There's like 19 people in a circle, and this lady. Oh, sat oh my there. God! Family constellation. Who the hell? Was I spoke to someone just recently about this. Family con. Anyway, sorry. So yes, as soon as you said that, I was like, why do I know that? So she's like, she's, she's the one to go and see. <laughs> yeah. She teaches a lot of people. Okay. So, um, so her name came up from this student of mine called Yehudi. He's like a 74-year-old student. I shouldn't really call him a student. He's a friend, right? Yeah. And um, he said, look, go and see Nicola. You need to get into what that is. Don't do it for you. Do it for your kids. Mm. Because if you have it and, it's, it predi- okay. and it's a predisposition, you're gonna, your kids are going to have it. Let's change the story. And it's all about story again. Sure. So I turn up at this event and there's ni- 19 people in a circle. Nicola here and there's an empty chair. And um, five people went before me. Right. There's six so <laughs> six people in who are what they call issue holders. And do, they rep- do they represent pe- members of your family or something? So the issue holders, like I'd be an issue holder for psoriasis. Another lady was about something else, another one about something else. And okay. then you have the other people within that circle are representatives. And they're there, they, they pop up like, like cards. Oh my God, that looks like... And they never look like them until it's your turn. So there's a guy immediately, it's fuck, oh, sorry. It's, no, it's, it's, okay. it's, it's, it's my it's dad. <laughs> Honestly, and, I, and before that, it's just like a normal guy just sat there. It's like, oh my god, that's my dad. And then there was an interesting one that, um, when it came to picking my mum, it was a guy that I, I, I said, "Is it okay to pick a man?" And she went, oh, "That's very interesting, you know." Mm. But you know, if you can find another person, do it just for the energy. But yeah, if if that's what you're thinking, that, exp- that will explain things within the constellation. So then we're in this, and then what? You, basically, the idea is that you pick somebody to represent each person. So prior to this, I am I've been pulled out. I think on three occasions to play a father, right? Mm. On every one of them. So there was one where I won't give away any names or anything. Sure. But she was having trouble um, falling pregnant, and her her father had worked out who I I'm now playing was pulled into the room. The mother, the daughter, who's you pick someone to play yourself and then her partner and then the issue and the issue is basically whatever the sim- the symptoms sorry sure. is put into the room and that's one person and it's governed by how they're feeling around the arrangement sometimes right i feel like so it's like a conduit they're, yeah. beca- they're playing the uh, the emotional okay yeah, element. yeah and i am now st- um standing next to this lady i've never met before in my life there's no reason why I'd want to move away from her, but I started to break out in a sweat. I couldn't bear to be standing next to this woman who's meant to be my wife in this scenario. And I keep edging away and I'm moving further and further yeah. away. Yeah. So then straight away, Nicholas said, what's going on? And the lady said, well, okay. My father was in love with this other lady. Da, 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 da. She died. Wow. Okay. How amazing. Mm. It's in Let's the system. So let's pick. Yeah. Let's pick the other woman so that she picks somebody in the in the in in the circle. 
the lady stands up and I haven't cried for years. I broke down in this grief-stricken cry like on the floor, <laughs> beating the ground, crying. And I couldn't stop. It was like the most amazing experience. Quite cathartic, right? Sure. And there's it's healing as well for you. Yeah, because you're yeah. represented for a reason. They're bringing yeah. you in for a reason. So then um, Nicola then will say something to clear it, to clear the path. So it's like, I love you very much. Mm. I'm really sorry we didn't get to spend more time. Or, you know, I'll, I will see you again and, you know, so on. And then clear, done. The lady could sit down. I'm back to normal again. And it healed kind of that, just one thing. I could stand next to the woman who's next <laughs> to me. I'm not breaking out in a sweat anymore, not yeah. feeling anxious. And that and that healed that. Yeah, and I, and I think to put things in context for 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 listeners who who may not be quite there on the journey yet in terms of <laughs> open mindedness and, and you know I've actually experienced um, situations where it's interesting that you say that because there's a course I did and actually it, it sounds like a lot of the stuff that they did in a very different context mm. but reenacting so basically pick someone in the crowd that would represent your mom or your dad and and then really you know speak about the little girl how did you feel then and how they make you feel when you're around them and all this stuff and I think what's amazing is when you um, I read an article re- recently between the difference between clarity and trust mm. and that sometimes we seek clarity when in fact what we what we need is trust and trust the process and this happened recently when I was having a breakdown like I was just like in such a shit state and my girlfriend who's a, also a trained um, art therapist basically brought out puppets literally brought out puppets put puppets yes. on, on the floor and said yeah. choose a puppet and I was mm. like are we fucking doing this like we're fucking doing this and it took me 45 minutes to get into the exercise I was so resistant I was just like this is bullshit. Like, I've, what do you mean? I've got to talk to this and he's going to, you know, talk to you and like, you're talking to, it was just, but when I surrendered mm. and I got into it, mate, I was just crying. I was like, all this stuff was coming out. Like, it was just amazing. And then as you said, then there was like this closing ceremony kind of like, thank you for your, you know, thank you for what you, mm. and then you come back to yourself and just like, wow, you know, what just kind of happened yeah. almost. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's so, powerful. It's really powerful. Yeah. So, I, so I watched, I kind of watched, um, these five people before me go through this process and me being involved with it. So we went, we drifted off. We went out to, um, she said, look, take a break now. So I went, this is in St. John's Wood. I thought I'd go for a walk. And I thought, you know, I've got to call my mum up here. I don't know. I don't know half the stuff these people know about their families. <laughs> you know, they've got closet, so much stuff closet, going cl- on. Like, some, mum, what's, yeah. what's, what, you know, tell me some stuff about grandma and grandma. I need more information sure. to go into this thing because they knew so much in their family's history which I thought was needed to explore, but, but they'd already been on this journey with Nicola previously, and I think she was uncovering so they could then go further. I didn't know this at this stage. So I come back, I approach Nicola, 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 I don't think I've got half the stuff going on that these guys have got going on. I really don't, I, I, you know. And Oh, you do, Tony. I feel like a bit of a fraud being here with this. And um, she went, we see. <laughs> <laughs> just, you just wait. And then it was like a gulp. I was yeah. like, oh, right. Yeah. So then up I, up I come, I sit next to Nicola. She just pats me on the leg and says, tell me about your dad. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, my God, you know, can you imagine? So we went, I said, look, I love my dad very much. Mm. Um, we just don't have like an, um, a real emotional kind of relationship there. Doesn't mean I don't love him and he doesn't love me. It's just no real, it doesn't feel like there's... yeah." That relationship, sure. And and I just want to pause this for a second. Sorry, it's we talked about earlier about intuition. Back mm. then, you know, there was a time in your life when when you really were disconnected from your intuition. And I think when you start doing this work, and especially when you start uh, teaching this work, 
this is going to sound really wanky, but stuff will come to you and you have no idea why and you'll just name it. Sometimes it lands, sometimes it doesn't. Mm. And that's what I love about this. So like the fact that she put her hand on you and she said, tell me about your dad. Yeah. Maybe she was like, I have no idea why I'm asking this question. Somehow it's coming to me. It's there. Let's see where it's going. Yeah, it's in the system. Yeah. You know, it's what we yeah. talk about. Yeah. And she's very powerful like that. And mm. I think she's getting stronger and stronger and stronger with it. And so then we, I then pick someone to represent my dad, my mum, my grandmother, my grandfather, and the symptom being psoriasis at this stage. And, and, and it's amazing. So she, what came out of this was this um, break between, it's my grandmother, it's passed on through psoriasis. So as a predisposition, it goes right back. And it went back so many generations. She was pulling up everyone within this audience. You know, uh, every representative came up. Well, it wasn't every representative in this cases before. Sure. And they were playing like the, the relationships all the way back. And on one side, crossing over, occasionally people were scratching and itching. It's like, uh, unbelievable to watch. Yeah. Unbelievable to unravel yeah. in front of your eyes, which I think is more powerful. The dolls are quite powerful, but to see that because they're acting it out as well. Sure. And then it came back to one person at the end, at the back of the room who would turn their back and were facing the corner and were just, I, I can't look at you guys. I'm, I'm ashamed. I'm this, I'm that. So it almost implied that that person um, hadn't stepped in as the father and had got someone pregnant along that line and possibly had psoriasis that had passed on and gone on and gone on. And with it came this paternal um, information. Oh, the, yeah. <coughs> or, and, and almost the guilt of... Yes. Yeah. So I then came away with this... There's lots to it, but sure. know, to cut a long story short, um, I came away with a mantra, I do not need psoriasis for paternal proof, which was quite interesting. And within three mm. days, within three days, it, it cleared up off my elbows, my knees um, <laughs> and my wrists. Yeah. I mean, uh, incredible. The I mind, mean, the mind so is a, powerf is a powerful uh, weapon. Yeah, and prior to that, I mean, I've gone, I'd gone really deep into the philosophy around all my physical needs. So my, you know, the purest water I can find, the cleanest nutrition I can, uh, the food I can eat, because sure. it's all nutrition, movement nutrition, <laughs> elemental nutrition. Yeah. Um, and the sleep and the rest, of everything was in check. And it was almost getting to the point that this doesn't make sense. Sure. I have everything in check and it's still here. Mm. So that kind of it brought it all together it's like right okay there's a real predisposition is here what i'm doing in this environment is great <clears throat> but i need to go right back here and discover this mm. and then um I, I i came back off that i th i then had more um respect for the the father figure you know and it made more sense to me and and um that relationship's very different yeah and then a friend of mine on another ceremony said, oh, um, he showed me this video of this experience he had in Ibiza. And it was um, with um, a Sonoran Desert toad. So it's this toad venom from this one particular toad <laughs> that comes out at one particular time. There's only one in the world, you know, not one toad, <laughs> yeah. but one, in one area <laughs> yeah, of yeah. the world. <coughs> and even the Mayan calendars register this toad. And most of the, the, the pictures and things that, that actually show the actual experience, you know, and sure. dates back to, I mean, so many popular um, years anyway, cultures. Um, so he showed me this amazing experience and his thing was around um, male figure as well. And, you know, masculine and female energy struggling with uh, having a battle between yeah. that. And he um, showed me this video of him like, Chlorine's inhaled this stuff with this amazing guy and who goes takes you through the process and he's like clawing the earth and screaming and all this stuff you know he's in this pro going through this process 
that took him like 12 minutes. And I worked with this guy and, you know, I was get, I was looking at the physiology involved yeah. with this guy. He had like problems with his thoracal spine completely, you know, and it was taking so long to organize. And we were struggling with like things like Olympic lifts and handstands and yeah. postural work. He comes back from this experience and his spine's completely aligned. Right? <laughs> 12 minutes smoking a toad and his spine is completely. So not just the, not just the connection spiritually, emotionally, he went into this space where he said that there were tribesmen from all the years pinning him, in, him down on the ground, pinning him down, and he had to break free of all of them. And once he broke free of them, he was then a man and he was accepted in. He went through this <laughs> process. I mean, yeah. inc incredible. Yeah, um, and, and, and that's something that, and that, that's a topic I want to cover as, as well today around you know masculinity and manhood mm. and the fact that we no longer have rituals. Yeah of going from boys to men. Yeah. Um, and before I jump into that, I just want to sort of take a moment to acknowledge what you just said around um, sometimes things that are holding our physicality back have nothing to do with functional movement or diet, mm. but everything to do with what are you holding on to or what's one of the emotional impacts that you haven't healed. Yeah. Um, I'm going through that journey, I guess, and I, uh, I've, I've had, you know, I've got a back shoulder kind of scapular issue that I've been carrying around for about a, a good couple of years. I've had a kind of uh, imbalance between my, uh, my, my left trapeze, is it called tri tri Upper trapezius. trapezius, yeah, um, for about 10, 15 years. And mm. I've had a knee injury from an MMA tournament I did in 2011, which has, is still there, is still nagging me. And I've started going to a physio and I talk about emotional pain when I'm with her. So th there's, there's a difference between pain. So like she'll touch a point like, yeah, that, that's kind of patient. And there'll be a moment where she'll touch the scapula. She'll put a finger on it and I just feel this overwhelming pain, like this kind of deep connected pain. And I don't know what it is and I don't know where it's coming from. But that for me are, are, are like breadcrumbs, mm. like clues that say like, there's something you're holding on to. I don't know what it is, pride. Well, you also hold on to the trauma of the actual injury itself. Mm. Yeah, so there's an emotional attachment to it. And there's stories around, you know, the human body can heal itself between, say, 72 hours and six weeks, given the right environment. Sure. Um, if we miss the window, then it can become chronic. And then we hold a story. And then it's up to sometimes the coach can be within movement or other, or right. other things. It's finding the cue to change the story. And it can be with the knee. The knee can be a simple thing sometimes. And it's just that... We, we hold on to that and it's a real emotional attachment. So yeah. if it's gone beyond six weeks and the physio hasn't been able to heal it in six weeks, it's time to look how we unravel it elsewhere. Yeah. And it might go right back to the trauma of the incident, you know, what were you experiencing at that moment in time too, yeah. you know? De definitely. And so how, how did you end up um, in the sphere of masculinity, working with men? Um, oh, from the men's retreat I've got yeah. coming out. Well, basically it comes back to this this experience with the toad. So then... I meet this guy, Octavia, Dr. Octavia Rettig, his name is. And um, he's this, I mean, really powerful, strong guy, but super connected and um, and male and female, you know, energies, let's sure. say. Yeah, but as in a male physical self, but yeah. no problem with exploring both energies. And... Um, I said to this guy, I need to go and I need I need to go and work with him. <laughs> I need this. So he said, right, okay, well, so we flew to Ibiza 
By the way, so to interrupt, so while all this is happening, while all this, all this amazing journey of like uh, exploring the spirit of the vine and, yeah. and toad stories and all this stuff, um, what's your? Are you working at this time? Like, is is you have, yeah? I'm still. I'm coaching at the time. Yeah. I'd coached for, and that's changed a lot as well yeah. because I'm. You know, I decided, I looked at, you know, the implications of training in the evening, um, melatonin, and yeah, cortisol, sure. and stress levels. So I dropped everyone from the evening, wouldn't sure. coach them anymore. It didn't make sense for them, doesn't make sense for me. So I then thought, right, I'm going to come and drop my hours right back from seven in the morning till two. And that's it. Yeah. And then the rest of it will be real lifestyle work. Yeah. And, and for those listening, in case they're like, what the hell's melatonin and uh, cortisol and so forth. I, I remember someone explaining it this way that basically, um, so cortisol is, is a stress hormone that's in the gut that used to serve us its purpose back in the day when we used to see the bush rattle. We think it was a lion. So it's, a, it's the adrenal system, yeah. basically. Um, so if you imagine like um, down where we are now, a lion bursts into this room right now your acute responses should kick in, right? So I'm going to go fight, flight, freeze, mess my pants probably, right? <laughs> so I'm going to basically the first phase, mess my pants, make myself lighter, digestive system will go, stop producing stomach acid, um, enzymes. The next thing, I don't, need a, I, don't need a, I don't need an immune system right now. If the lion's going to eat me, I'll shut that off and definitely don't need my gonads right now. So I'm going to shut my reproductive system down. So all those things will go acutely. Yeah. Um, there's huge things around that, right? Sure. So gut bacteria, everything would be involved. The yeah. hormones would be completely kicked out. So then that's an acute response. I need cortisol at that moment. Yeah? It needs to be up. Yeah. And then I will be out the room, hopefully. The moment I'm out of the room, then it should start to shut down. We don't live in an environment like that anymore. We have a lion connected to us pretty much most of the time. People yeah. carry it in their Laptop, pockets, yeah. their office, right? And they walk around with an iPad, iPod, um, yeah. iPhone. <clears throat> so it's that's that's the stress response chronically so you're constantly feeling issues around digestion hormones and immune system which is kind of the main culprits now let's yeah say. I, I, I love that i love what you're saying because it makes so much sense that you know when you're you know when you're stressed out your libido goes out the window or you might feel shit about yourself or whatever it is and it's and, it, and i love things i've actually it's one thing it's one of the first time i've heard this explanation of like actually your system just shuts down it's yeah. kind of like all right guys minimizing energy what what can we throw off this uh air balloon <laughs> yeah. do we not need exactly that's, right. what that's all yeah. you're doing just the next thing goes the next thing goes yeah. the next thing goes because survival is the key right yeah and then you go right back into like a reptilian sense i mean you literally will yeah eat their young to survive right? and, I mean, and, and melatonin is basically the sleeping hormone it's more than sleep it's related it's a sleep hormone but it does a lot more like yeah. that you know it stops the proliferation of cancer in cells and um i've been listening to a lot and reading a lot on this um for presentations but essentially that at 10 a.m um at 10 p.m at night your cortisol should be at its lowest and melatonin really should be its highest and the study right. comes from say blind people so they have the highest levels of melatonin up to 11 hours of melatonin production <laughs> but they also have the lowest levels of prostate and breast cancer Interesting. Yes, really yeah. interesting. So then they looked at night shift workers, day shift workers. Yeah. Night shift workers have higher levels of breast cancer, 50% higher risk of breast cancer, prostate yeah. cancer, day shift workers not, right? Um, th there's other factors because about the lion, right? But then sure. we look at then light exposure. So light exposure because blind people aren't exposed to blue light. Blue light is what is basically screens. And it goes into the, the pineal gland. Pineal gland then decides, right, I'm going to stop my melatonin production. So if you're working mm. late at night like you were last night, yeah. you're going to have no melatonin in your system. Yeah. So melatonin isn't just a sleep hormone. 
it's many other things yeah. to our system and it a helps healing. regulate yeah. so it's healing right and then also you want to be able to achieve like a an, um, an anabolic sleep so the deepest part of the sleep is where we get stronger so you yeah. could go to your muay thai session um in the evening bright lights everything else you might as well not be there because you're in a sense you're going backwards the idea is to get physically stronger improve technique and improve emotional health yeah but unfortunately because you're then cutting melatonin off in the evening and then upping ramping up a system yeah like last night if you went to sure. a, a conference right yeah yeah all the stimulants are there Ooh. you're not going to sleep because it will take three hours in complete darkness Just, yeah to rebuild your melatonin because it takes three hours to get back up to optimum. That makes that make that, that makes so <coughs> much sense. I mean, um, when I in two thousand eleven, when I discovered uh, MMA mixed martial arts, because um, um, I'll, I'll I'll tell you the story later. But basically, the short version is I grew up really skinny. Then I put on a lot of weight, mm. and then I discovered MMA and I lost lost weight. And when I was training, it was from sometimes eight pm to tel- ten pm at night, and I had problems sleeping. You know, like I remember like just how much I struggled sleeping or getting deep mm. sleep and I've, ha- and I've had and I've had sleep issues for maybe since 2009. Um, and one of the questions I have for you uh, is why do you think people neglect sleep so much and why people are overlooking sleep as a kind of a uh, not a necessity? Do you know what I mean? It's like it's like sleep never really comes in the conversations or at least rarely comes in the conversations as this is the, one of the most important things that you could be focusing on right now. Why do we think we neglect that? Um, because of bright lights, neon lights, a pub culture, <laughs> a nightclub culture, everything that's attractive to us because it's a stimulant. You know, rather than saying, well, it's actually 6 p.m. now, the sun's starting to go down. Um, what's the worst time? Someone, this is a great one that someone gave to me, is that what's the worst time for a primate to be on the ground? Nighttime. Nighttime, because all the night predators are out. Yeah. Right? So then it becomes even more stressful. But people just, yeah. I guess it's, there's not enough information about that or how valuable sleep is. So yeah. as a child, you're going to be 12 hours, 12 hours. And literally, you sleep for 12 hours, right? And then they're awake for 12 hours. It is hours. nuts. It a, is a nuts. Kid, a kid sleeps, yeah. But I, yeah. I'm now at the point where I can go to bed at nine now, um, easily sleep through till six, easily. And then, <laughs> I mean, it's so easy for me. Really? But I follow a system, like there's protocols there. Sure. So if we go you wind down, you wind down, you eat at a certain time. I have like amber glasses that I wear that match candlelight, firelight, and it cuts all your blue light. So you can still work. So you can still. Sean make Stevenson s- talks about this one. Yeah, the, he's the, a the sleep, model sleep health smarter. Show, yeah. Right? So there's apps and there's things that you can put on all your equipment that Flux, will dumb down. Yeah. Flux is one, yeah. and even the new iOS has that uh, yes. ability to yes, flush the right. screen. So, but the key is that even if you're lying there. We've, you've gone to sleep, you've had your ramble, you've followed all these protocols, you need to get up for a week, you switch the light on. One second of that blue light will shut your melatonin off for three hours. That's a study. That's insane, right? So, so are you training al- to pee in the dark? It's almost like the light bulb comes <laughs> along. Yeah. And then that's it, we're all stimulated. So it's not that we, it's because we have a culture now that's around light, time, light in the evening. Yeah. It's not that we don't value the sleep as much. It's just we value more of what's going on out there because it's there. We, that, we can do it, you know. That is so funny because I literally, when I get up at night, if I, need to, if I need to be in the middle of the night, I will not put the light on. I will do whatever I take to go. And I've just done this naturally. Yeah. And, and my girlfriend will put the light on. I remember we, we were on holiday um, and uh, it just happens that the, the toilet was right next to the bed. And I remember I had to turn the next day. I was like, 
Um, so I couldn't sleep last night because the light, because uh, you know you put the light on, it would be amazing if you could try and like not put the light not on or flush. Again. Yeah, yes, that'd, that'd be great. <laughs> that'd be so great. <laughs> but it's 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 true though, and it's and it's Sean Stevenson talks about this um, a lot around, you know, and for me it's it's. So here's the thing. I, I guess this is what I'm trying to say. When you, when you, especially when you run your own business or when you're trying to like start your own projects and stuff, two things. One of them is that it's so difficult to shut down because mm. you haven't got like a a, a, a boss that's kicking you out of the building. We are shutting down the building. It's 6 p.m., 7 p.m., over. Mm. Leave your laptop, leave your... Mm. It's over. So there's always work that you can do. And the second thing is, and I have a nudge that you probably have something to say about this, the mentality and the culture of you've got to work hard, you've got to hustle, you've got to like sleep as little as you can, like sleep when you're dead. And uh, you know, if I get all the sleep I need when I'm dead. Well, good, <laughs> good luck with that one then. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, so, so what would you want to tell to um, entrepreneurs or people running their own businesses and especially people who are about to start that journey? Yeah. And they can start the foundations like now. Like, what do you want to tell them? Longevity. Mm. Like, you know, I, I have this big thing now. We, I'm saying ancestral health is modern wealth. Wealth. So it's, um, you need to respect kind of the system, our system, hormonally, you know, the nutrition behind it. Everything is nutrition. So sleep is nutrition, right? Yeah. So, um, you can just make very simple, small changes in your environment to support it. As I say, you could just have amber glasses on here. You went, people wear sunglasses in the daytime, which is nuts because the sun's really beneficial for you know, uh, us in the daylight. Yeah. So we starve ourselves of, of bright light and vitamin D in the day, <laughs> and then we put bright lights on in the home in the evening, right? So if you kind of reverse that and allowed yourself to absorb sunlight, and then when you get in the home, you just wear the very same sunglasses that you'd wear outdoors, that are amber and then you don't have to switch everything off but you're still getting melatonin up that's the point yeah it's not really about the sleep it's about the depth the quality yeah. of it and having melatonin within that system sure so um mark needs to work this evening okay you have an important project it's more stressful for you not to do it because you're not going to sleep thinking that you need to do the work mm. so why not support the system so right if i have these on and i reduce everything down to candlelight i can still be working away and the chances are you'll be more productive anyway, right? Yeah. And then if you get a good night's sleep in, guess what? The next morning is even better. Yeah. And then your production's up again. Yeah. So why 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 do we choose to work the other way around? We work late, 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 and then get up later. And we're less productive in the morning. It takes us longer. Or we use caffeine or God knows what else to get yeah. going. So just support the system and say, right, an hour here, this side of midnight, it's going to be so much more valuable in the morning. Yeah. Uh, and I'll be so much more productive. So I'd, I'd look at it th in that sense. Sure. Except but you, it's you, not you just sleep. You know, there's a, right, big, right. There's a big, big of picture. Of course, there. yeah. And, and, and you've got you to <coughs> accept the fact that you're going to look like Bono for uh, for every day. So yeah. <laughs> I mean, they don't, they're, you know what, someone needs to come along. I mean, someone out there, you need to really address the way these glasses look. <laughs> but, you know, we're getting there. You know, it's a start. Yeah. 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 Um, so let's get let's get back on the topic of, of, of men. And, yeah. I, and I think that was one of the big topics that... Um, you know, it's interesting because actually I, I, I can tell why people chose you out to be the masculine figure or being the father figure. There's something about you that's quite compelling and quite grounded um, in a non-threatening kind of way. Because, you know, I, I do believe there's healthy masculinity and mm -hmm. there's unhealthy masculinity. Well, it's dysfunctional. Yeah, dysfunctional. That's it. Yeah, yeah I like that. Um, in a nutshell, you're, you're, have you always been this way or has your journey to kind of... Um, come back to yourself to your manhood 
been like a long journey that you've kind of gone on or has it been something that you've kind of always well actually I've always been kind of comfortable with my skin and, and well I think we we opened up a boxing club and that was a pure example of dysfunctional male energy mm. you know it was like the whole time in there and to come away from that I mean I it took me a, it took me a long time to work on that and people that I now work with who introduced me to like the likes of Dr. Octavia um, would say I was quite aggressive in my energy and like mm. you need we need to you know let's see if we can work with that so that was part of the path and then I understood where that aggressiveness is coming from as well and I when I met Octavian we 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 went through this experience and um, I turned into like this dragon basically and everyone is after they want to ascend and they want to you know have this amazing spiritual experience but the dragon is really about depths of the earth and going into the earth and then soaring up and then experiencing all the elements through it. It was like incredible. I was going through this whole process and like growling and screaming. You don't know you're doing it. It's only when someone shows you the video afterwards what you've been doing. <laughs> but, it was, but it was incredible. I had this whole unraveling of my shoulder blades that I've I've tried to, I've tried to mimic. I just can't access it. There's no possible way of finding it. And that that was it for me. That was like Bam. Okay, I get it. I need to really get grounded. Understand what grounding is, and yeah. you know. And then also, I think I, I we have two daughters, and I, we Katrina fell pregnant. I, was, I thought oh, I'm gonna have a son. I'm gonna, you know, I wanted a son. Yeah. And then we found out we were having a daughter, and I was like, this is amazing. You know, like three girls have chosen me to be their father. And now, what oh, I congratulations! The third is a third, third yeah, is a girl. So I <laughs> now understand what what it is. I need to become like the perfect example for them of male energy to m empower them, because we have this whole thing around women want to be empowered, but men have to be empowered as a mm. grounded male energy yeah. and understand their male self to support and empower women. Right? It's, it, it was just obvious, and we need to be able to. Yeah, we can express both energies, but we also need to be understanding what 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 it is to be male you know yeah and um, and and this is <coughs> you know this is something um with a friend robin coglin and i we ran a project last year called the wild man project yeah and we had uh, we had men from i think the youngest might have been 26 up until 55 we all got together and we did a lot of embodiment movement and we did a lot of uh, visualization and, mm. and and that kind of stuff um this is gonna be a tough one but what do you think gets in the way of men um reconnecting to their bodies their sexuality and the relationship to themselves um well we have a pendulum of what is socially normal and what is biologically normal and it i mean i i feel like we have the pendulum have to completely shift over here to what is socially normal but it's actually biologically extreme for us mm. and then we start to see like my behavior to some people is socially extreme but it's biologically normal, you know? And sure. I think we're going through a transition at the moment. And I think we also, we need the dysfunctional male to understand, for us to look at, to understand that's not the way we should be behaving, right? And it comes from generations and generations and generations of, yeah. of male energy, inappropriate male energy, mm. I would say. You know, this, um, I have to work hard, I have to, uh, and it has to yeah. be this, this grind when, when really that's not what it's about. So, um, why are we in that position? Mm. Um, 
why are we there, Mark? Huh? Yeah, I mean, it's 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 interesting, right? Because it's like there's a few things that you're saying that could resonate with, which is so. My my dad's an amazing man, um, and what's interesting is that he he was quite absent during my whole mm. um, childhood. I mean, I, I think he's the kind of man that loved having a kid, but at the same time, I don't think he was a big fan of of the whole process, you know, of like babies and all this kind of stuff. And yeah, and um. So he would he would come home really late from work, and then when he was home, he'd go in his music room, and he was he's an artist, like, and he would go and <coughs> he'd go and do that. So I grew up predominantly with my mom and my mom and my family. The women are the matriarchs of the family. So mm. my grandmother is the matriarch of a family. Uh, my mom's the um, definitely the one holding the trousers in the relationship. Um, and so I've been brought up by these very strong, powerful women, and meaning I've never had a strong male figure. And this goes to the grandparents on both sides. And what's interesting, I was speaking to my mum about this the other day, I was like, you actually married, ended up marrying your dad, or like a man that's like your dad, a kind, loving man that doesn't challenge you, mm. or that or that you know that you can basically um, control, or, yeah. or you know, whatever. Um, and the reason why I'm bringing this up is that I, I, I was always kind of like, you know, what, is, what does a role model look like? What does a male role model look like? And it almost came to the point, like, you know, do I, am I a feminine energy? Because I'm really in touch with my feminine side. Like, I'm super comfortable talking with women about their menstrual cycle, yep. their relationships with their, with their boyfriends, uh, what pisses them off about whatever it is. And I always found myself really um, awkward around blokey blokes, like lads, lads, you know, kind of like football, beers and, and, and all that men's stuff. Men's men. Yeah, men's men. And I always yeah. kind of like, like, I'm not interested in those conversations. Um you know, I'm not interested in the kind of the mask of masculinity. Yep. And all, all that to say, I ended up doing this um, workshop or this exercise. And I'm not quite sure what the gist behind it. What I believe is, is that um, certain rituals in certain uh, civilizations believed that um, the spirit or the soul could be tapped into by rhythm mm-hmm. and by uh, music. Yeah. Drum, mm-hmm. noise, elements, frequency. jungle, frequency, yeah. And so we ended up. Um, I, <laughs> I mean, it's such. A, I, I don't. I don't really talk about this story um, on the podcast, just in case people go and do this experience, and I don't want to rob them of them. So I won't say what it is. But basically, you start off and you're lying down, eyes shut, and I know this is coming because I've known people who've done this. Mm. So I, they've told. I remember them telling me this story. I'm going this. This. And then when because you don't know when they announce it, they basically it's this part of this ritual thing, and, 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 and suddenly you're like, you're gonna go on the floor, you're gonna lie down, close your eyes, and the music starts, and it's this kind of like thunderstorm, this kind of like edgy uh, jungle music, mm. and they start taking you through this visualization of embodiment and intuition. Tony, I I I never knew what out of body experience meant in, until that moment. I surrendered totally to the mm. process. I know that I'd say 85% of the people around me in the room d- didn't have the same experience. I totally surrendered and something insane happened, which is basically I tapped into my most primal, masculine, sexual energy. Mm. Within like three minutes of this exercise, I had checked out yep. and I had my, my shirt was off, but not in a kind of like, ah, I'm a match, but just like, it was just clothing was just getting in the way. And I was just going around and, and there were women and men. And what was amazing to see was that certain, certain females, I want to say in this context, and males, like some females I just totally didn't connect with and I was probably a bit too aggressive and stuff, but some females brought out of me this humongous, powerful energy. And I brought out of them this 
humongous feminine mm-hmm. energy and we kind of moved and connected and mate with all socially conscious purposes i would have probably ended up having sex with half of them i mean not not in a kind of mm-hmm. but like in a in a primary reproduction yeah. kind of kind of purpose and then towards the men now this was really interesting i am in by no far the biggest guy and certainly not the biggest guy that was there there's some guys that are much much bigger than me but when I was around, I was kind of like calling them forth because I was just not seeing this kind of energy from them. You know, like I was just like taking fucking like And at one point there was actually <laughs> a moment where this the biggest male, I want to say, in the group, uh, a, a really good friend of mine. I was going towards him. And I was like, kind of, we were just screaming. We we're just looking at each other, just like, ah, and at one point we we're just literally like hitting each other on the chest and. And people started surrounding us, and like the females started um, getting around us, and it was just like this crazy atmosphere. Anyway, this lasted, I don't know how long it lasted. It could have lasted 10 minutes, it could have lasted an hour and a half. No idea. We ended up closing the ceremony, we ended up going out, and I'm like, oh my God, what the fuck just happened? And the next day we debriefed, and it was quite funny because the, the, the leaders the basically said, so we're going to debrief about yesterday, and um, Mark, want to tell us about what happened? Because they're there, so they're mm. witnessing all this. And I guess why I'm bringing all this up is that that moment, I think, was the moment where I realized that I am a male. Like, I, I have a very strong... Well, you, sec- you, had, you had your rite of passage, that was it, you know? Yeah. It's a male rite of passage. You've yeah. Got, you've, and that can take, for some people... It could be at the age of 13, and unfortunately, where we are now, it yeah. can, it can, for, for some guys, it can, it doesn't happen. I yeah. So, 74-year-old guys that I see yeah. that were, like, coming in with childlike behavior. You know, yeah. Very, very interesting. They haven't actually accessed that male energy yet. You hey, know? I, it, yeah. it, it's totally, and, and I'm going to wrap it up with this story with this, which is, I realized that I was a sexual being, not in a kind of I need to shag everything that moves, but mm. I um, I need deep intimacy and I need connection and I need warmth and I need that. Mm. And the relationship that I had at the time, that I was an amazing relationship for for, for almost five years, um, I realized that I needed a powerful female in my life, that I needed someone in my life that 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 could bring the masculine out of me yeah. that I could bring the feminine out of out of me and that we could balance between feminine and masculine you know, I believe that there's situations where totally. you could totally yeah and my girlfriend at the time was had a very masculine energy more more of a mas- had hadn't done the work I think to tap really truly into a feminine side and I think she's totally got got it in her and it, we ended up I mean long story short is that we ended up breaking the relationship I mean we ended up kind of coming to the cross point where we're like well we want different things and and we're kind of and it was just like it was such a huge shift in my life. Mm. Um, and I think since then, and I think that's why I was really excited about talking with you today, I think since then I've been on this journey of kind of exploring, you know, what, is, what, is, what does it mean to be a man today? Like, what, what, what does it mean? Especially like, as you said, neon lights, flashy lights and all this stuff. We don't have these rituals. So I'm going to shut up now because I just went, I just blacked out there for about five minutes. Um, tell me about the, the work that you do with men and the retreats that you organize. Well, the retreat we've got coming up, this is, this is the first kind of men's rite of passage retreat. Um, that It started off as, I have like this warrior to warrior project that we look at, which is basically about the, again, the physical, social and spiritual needs and and how modern society kind of living is over here. The norm, social norm. And it's often completely the other way we need to swing the pendulum to get over to the biologically on to heal people 
and I think with um, certainly with myself, I I know now that that the toad experiences that I had were my rite of passage. I I completely get it, and I get it from all the guys that I've worked with, mm. and going working with Octavian and ceremonies that we've we we had done in the past, where there would be. You know, we might have ten guys there, and every one of them, I, I there's there's two that I'm really close to, and I've compl- uh, completely transformed their lives. It's completely transformed <laughs> them, and they've taken charge of it and responsibility. And I think that's it. It goes back to responsibility again, doesn't it? I mean, yeah. once once you can access it, we have a responsibility as a male animal, let's say, yeah, just as much. Um, <sighs> some people just uh, then they're not awake yet you know and yeah and and it takes you know workshops and retreats and time mm. for us to access that how do you stay how do you manage to stay compassionate versus frustrated i went through frustration i went <laughs> through frustration i went through anger i think frustration is the first stage of awakening you start to get frustrated at the world and i was incredibly frustrated at mm. everything i did come across yeah it used to drive me nuts you know um and then i'd get and then i get quite angry at the world and now it's now it's just you have to be compassionate right mm. you have to look at it and say well actually every, everyone's at, the, at varying stages of a journey and some people might not get there but the if they have children then their children will be the seed of change hopefully and the next child and the next child it's not to say my parents for instance are completely open and understand their roles as male and female because i you can watch that in in relationships how if a man isn't stepping into his male self, then the female doesn't know how to be in her female self, yeah. female energy, and can then cross over into being male energy. Yeah. And then the male can become quite broken in those relationships, you know? Yeah. So um, it's having, it's, yeah, it's, uh, I mean, a big thing for me is trusting the process, respecting the process. Yeah. And being patient within it, you know? Yeah. Cause and, I th- cause and, then, I and then once you understand, then, then you know you understand there is a process, sure. and then hopefully you then have a rite of passage that enables you to just be the process. That's the point. Yeah, is to get to the stage where we can just be. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's interesting because I think I'm in that phase where I I I'm actually fr- I get frustrated with people. So like I have people that come to me, friends, family that'll come and you know tell about their their problems or something that they're dealing with, and I'm just kind of like, yeah, and I just kind of like look it's 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 you need to do the work and you're not doing the work and it's like stop i don't want to say stop being a pussy because that's that's really not my my style but it's kind of like stop externalizing your responsibility yeah and really take and that's what i, I finding it very <coughs> difficult because <coughs> i so i trained as a as a coach with like icf coactive coach and stuff so that journey was very much about compassion and very much about uh, helping people find their answers and, and you know really ask the questions and hold the space and and really kind of dive deep into and then i went through this leadership journey and and i guess where the whole masking thing came up and then it became this kind of like way more like dare to know and much more kind of a bit more clarity and a bit more kind of like taking responsibility to take like taking responsibility for my own shit especially like if i'm angry at you if i get frustrated at you then i need to take responsibility for that what am i looking at yeah what what are you mirroring that i can't be with right now Yeah, Yeah, yeah that i can't be with and sometimes i'll have someone that has problem with me that i'll connect with they'll tell me that and i'm like cool thanks for letting me know and and what can't you be with that like, it's not about me it's about you it's like okay that's definitely one way of seeing it and also with experience i can guarantee you that if you can't be with someone it's most like they're mirroring something that you can't be with well they're your best teacher yeah 
you almost need to learn how to be with them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, we're coming to the end of uh, the interview. Um, and there's a thing that it's I'm... Flown. I know. <laughs> it's been awesome. More. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's... Um, do you have any uh, morning rituals? Is there, is there something that you do yeah, to set yourself up? I, um, I, well, I have quite many rituals throughout the day. But um, I recently met a guy called Alan Dolan, who's known as this breath guru. He's not... Yeah, it's... He he's not the breath guru. The idea is your your own breath guru. Mm. So it's not Alan Dolan, the breath guru. He's you'll become your breath yeah. guru, and it's a system of transformational breath. And I, before I go to sleep, I practice. I just have a quick five ten minute burst, and it just I'm bomb. I'm gone. And then in the morning, I do um, a breath session, and then I move into like uh, a bit of a meditation mantra for my day. And then once I'm then up, I then go through, um, I'm also studying with Wim Hof's method of yeah, breath work and cold water immersion and stuff like that. So <laughs> I have a, a cold shower, really cold shower. <laughs> every um, morning? Yeah, pretty much every morning and sometimes cold baths and yeah, and just play with that. And <laughs> and it comes out, we had a big, we had a big meeting yesterday with, um, the guys from 42 Acres, which is a retreat center that I'm, I'm I'm working with and involved with. And we had a meeting at their offices. It was on their rooftop garden. And most of the guys there are, like, are cold and they've got layers on. And, and I'm sat there in a T-shirt the whole time. You're just not feeling it, you know. And it's not like, look at me, I'm in my T-shirt. I just, I, I'm, You're British, mate. Every, I'm every becoming biologically normal, you know, because yeah. these things are biologically normal. <laughs> but we perceive it as socially extreme again. So, um, yeah, so I, I do two cold showers. And then I have a whole thing around nutrients so for me it's about not the quantity of the food going in i'm probably 95 percent plant-based we followed more of a primate kind of diet in that sense so like yeah. the 95 percent herbivorous frugivorous and five percent even still comes from animal proteins but we choose wild meats instead of domesticated animals sure. what kind of wild meats um so at the moment I've, i have a venison sitting in a freezer yeah. from a guy that i I coach that has a vineyard and he has a guy go on to control the numbers of deer because we've wiped out the things that control the number of deer. So it's like... Yeah. Joe Rogan talks a lot about that. I don't know if you know who Joe Rogan. Is, yeah, yeah. He, he yeah. talks a lot about the fact that we've basically wiped out the, the biggest predators in the wildlife so there's nobody there yeah. to control. And it <laughs> changes the landscape. They had it yeah. in Yellowstone Park, didn't they, where it changed, completely changed the landscape where rivers are now growing and, you know, because they've reintroduced wolves. You know, it's incredible. Yeah. So, yeah, so he controls the numbers of the deer and I coach him and, and, and it's kind of, yeah, he's a deer. So we had um, a bit of deer liver and stuff like that, which is really oh, nice, you know. Oh, mate. So, <laughs> with that and liver. heart and stuff like that. But, yeah. you know, so it, but again, it's only, it's once a week. We had one dish a week that's meat-based and the yeah. rest is completely plant-based, which I feel incredible. I mean, I feel incredible on that. And it's taken me a long journey. It's, that's a bit, a bit of a journey that. Yeah. I'd, mate, we're going to, we're gonna, I'm so going to get you back on the show. We'll, we'll talk about, we'll dedicate that entirely about about that because yeah i mean nutrition's yeah. like i mean it's huge it's a big subject you know and, it, and for everyone so what's the breakfast like i, I know this it's, it's just breakfast, for this list, I, kind like of, I have a nutri bullet so i also have oh, amen. um <laughs> i start with gut, gut bacteria so i have a kombucha a shot of kombucha, kombucha that we yeah. home make and then a product called vsl number three which is like 450 billion bacteria yeah and it's the bacteria that um i i need for my gut that will help deal with psoriasis sure. and stuff like that. It goes right back into predispositions, predetermined, yeah. but the gut is the ultimate one. So I wasn't breastfed. Yeah. And then it works out if you haven't been breastfed or you're born by C-section or your chance are you going to have antibiotics in those first years. Um, or if you've been given antibiotics, then pretty much the start of your life has 
been compromised because of the gut bacteria that should be take three years to mature to reach adulthood. Yeah. And we pick up the first bacteria from the mother on the way out, right? Yeah. And then breast milk, what enables breast milk is there's certain properties in Life breast bacteria, milk that only yeah. feed the bacteria in the gut. They don't feed the baby other yeah. than the gut bacteria, which is, which is incredible, right? So I then take 450 billion of that and then um, I make, a, in my Nutribullet, I make um, I've like uh, one banana, celery, shard, um, um, cucumber, and then I have a How whole row of, bit, mate? and I have row of jars. It's so simple, right? <laughs> and in them is like spirulina, chia seed, cacao, yeah. um, turmeric, flaxseed, and chlorella. And I just do 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 yeah. all in the Nutribullet. Yeah, homemade almond milk like you're doing here. Yeah, blitz it, and then that's me set up for. And I haven't only eaten then since six o'clock. So six o'clock, so I do like a twelve-hour fast. Yeah. So I have dinner at six, and then I won't eat then until that's at six a.m. Yeah. And then sometimes I might not even do that. I might wait, take it with me, and then have that um, around eight, nine o'clock. Yeah. Yeah. And then I go through. I can because all my nutrient, you know, my cells are happy. I've got all the nutrients I need on board. Yeah. I've dealt with the whole sugar and fat craze and stuff like that. So then I can move. I'm literally moving with with stu- clients and students. For sure. six hours, full on natural movement for six hours, and I can go through the whole lot, still be energized, you know. So it's yeah, it's about getting all the. All so the how, so how and how do you how do you how do you keep healthy on the move? Then do you like do do you, do you stop and do you have like food with you? Do you have like nuts and seeds? I mean, is I, I don't feel like I it sometimes just don't I don't need it. Yeah. You know? And I mean, my life's very very physical. Like as I said, we don't have furniture at home. We ground lift, right? So we don't have any sofas for <laughs> the kids to sit on. Yeah. You know? We just so we're always kneeling, squatting. All those movements are kept alive. Yeah. All that nutrition. Yeah. And then throughout the day, I'm either running or I'm lifting something or I'm climbing or I'm balancing. So it's, it's constant. But I think when you get the right nutrients on board, you get your sleep organized, you know, your real nu- that yeah. hygiene that I yeah. talk about. You'll just keep feeding the system and then you don't need all these pacifiers. And most of it is just addiction to the food that you're feeding anyway. Sure. You know? Yeah. And and what I, what I love about your story is that you you've got two kids and a third on the on the go, yeah. and that you know the, the number one excuse that I hear from a lot of my friends and trust me, I, I'm sure that I'd milk that one, um, is that oh but you know it's what what do you do when you have kids? You know I literally I posted one morning I think I posted um a morning ritual that I was kind of trying to trying out a moment and it really shifted like I, I'd wake up I'd do like a daily gratitude um, and then I'd do like some meditation journaling a bit of body movement um, a big glass of water with a bit of lemon in it and mm. then I make myself a green a green a, a green smoothie which basically very similar to you I put garlic ginger mm. cucumber kale um, celery uh, pear uh, I think that's it and a bit of co- coconut water I think anyway um and I remember seeing my sister-in-law going like, oh, it sounds amazing, but how do you do if you have two kids? And I said, well, you're fucked, you don't. But how... You don't, d- yes. You so basically, you be the change you want to see in the world. Yeah. So basically, if I, if I look at my kids, hopefully they're going to be a better example than I've given them, you know, and, and so on. So it's yeah. really, it's easier. It's actually easier. I mean, yeah. how simple can that be? Well, I have a Nutribullet. I have a row of jars to make my life. I mean, half an hour I can do, I can actually have a do... My breath work, get in the shower, have my whole breakfast prepped and be out the door within half an hour. Yeah. That's how you do it with kids. And it, and it sounds like you have a partner. And we unschool. So we, we, the kids are at home all the time. We don't homeschool them, we unschool them. So we do you, don't. Do you know a guy no called form. Brett Sanders? I, I listen to some of the podcasts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, because yeah. Brett Sanders, is, uh, he's, um, he homeschools his kids yeah. and he barefoot runs. Yeah. So, um, we, so we basically, we, 
follow this whole philosophy around it's they're they're leading the education so if they pick something up there's an absorbent moment a bit like if i come off a ceremony of doing a a rite of passage let's say there's an absorbent moment for the mind i'm really interested in this book right now that's the time to absorb it so for children if they pick this up now they're interested that's the time to then jump on them and educate them the moment they're lost in don't bother they're, they're done and there's kids in as classrooms. Opposed for- as opposed to forcing the knowledge. 30 kids in a classroom will go yeah. off on different absorbent bombs at different times and the teacher just, right, this is what you have to learn. Sure. So some of them might be picking up on it and some of them not. It might not be their absorbent part of the day. Kids are, our kids are there for the whole day with us. And, you know, you can, you can literally just accelerate their learning that way. For an, hour, for an hour's worth of unschooling <laughs> at home, that could be a whole day in a classroom, you know? Yeah. So it's just it's just a very different way of looking at the way the world works, you know. Yeah. And just trying to flip. Oh, mate, that, yeah, I'll get you back on the show because I want to talk about um, nutrition. I also want to talk about um, unschooling and homeschooling. I think that's, that's such a fascinating topic because. Well, you need my wife on it, really. Cause <laughs> she's, na- I mean, she's awesome. She yeah? is just so great at this. I awesome. Mean, yeah, yeah. That, that, yeah. That, that'd be amazing. Before I ask you the um, the last couple of questions, um, I want to I want to acknowledge you because I think. Um, I mean, I, this is one of my most, uh, this is probably one of my favorite interviews that I've conducted. It's just oh, so, thanks, so, so interesting thanks. and just so um, grounded. And that also that the work that you're doing and uh, and how you openly share about your experiences, especially uh, exploring all these different kind of, um, al- I don't want to say alternative methods, but more about keeping curious and keeping exploring and, and you know, so f- <laughs> smoking or inhaling the fumes of a toad is going to get you fuck it, I'll, I'll try it. You know, like uh, climbing up this tree in this Himalayan environment is going to increase my, uh, I don't know, oxygen in my blood. Let's, let's try it. Yeah, I mean, you know? that's it. Just keep yeah. Learning, right? and, keep and, and also, and also this, um, the work that you're doing, the rite of passage. I mean, I haven't, I haven't um, experienced your work yet and I haven't you know, worked together and all that stuff, but it sounds, and from the experience of spending time with you, that this is going to be a great gift for a lot of men out there that, can come and explore what it means to kind of look at all these different things. So, and as that grows, I think as that yeah. grows as well, it's going to be um, yeah, really uh, interesting. Yeah, I've seen, yeah, I, I'm I'm really excited. <laughs> about yeah. uh, what does being unconventional mean to you? Biologically normal, you know. Conventional is really what our social norm is. I think, and you know, and I think for me, it's um, f- it, what I might be doing again is socially extreme that's fine by me I, I i feel amazing i'm healthy vibrant i'm 41 this year and i feel better than what i was in my 20s so unconventional for me means happy healthy and, and grateful <laughs> yeah, yeah, <you> know? <laughs> yeah. um what's one thing most people don't know about you ah um what don't they know about me i'm pretty i'm pretty open and honest yeah. so it's like uh wow it's a tough one, man. What do they not know about me? That I have a problem answering a question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that is such a cop out. About me. That, that is such a cop out. And like I like every- copping out. <laughs> 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 there you go. That, that, that yeah. you, you like copying out. Okay, we'll take that one. Yeah. Um, if if uh, if today was your last day, yeah. and um, the seminars, the workshops, the talks that you gave were erased. And you could leave behind three truths that for you are truer than true. What would those three truths be? I think it comes back to what I mentioned earlier. I think just trust the process, um, respect the process, and be patient whilst in that process. Yeah. Respect the process, 
trust the process, trust the process. and be patient whilst in that process Tony it's been an absolute pleasure cool man thank, thank you so you. much there you have it folks I hope you enjoyed today's interview as much as I did just loved the wealth of information that Tony shared and his honesty about his own journey if you want to connect with Tony you can do so over on Twitter at Feed the Human and as always I'd love to hear from you what did you enjoy what did you get from today's show let me know over on Twitter at Mark Roost you can find out all about the different links and the information that we shared on this episode over on the show notes you can do that over at www.markderoos.com forward slash podcast until next time i just want to remind you how special you are that you have a gift that you can share with the world that that's the only thing that you need to worry about and that beyond everything else that you're enough i love you and i'll see you next time